0: with a country so fractured as the united states of america stinging political rhetoric families divided sexual immorality and all-around evil ballooning in our society you mean to tell me that there is hope and light yet good morning and welcome to god's resistance god's resistance is local in wilkesbury in the wyoming valley If you need someone to talk to or pray with, and are interested in joining a small group to help you live as a disciple of Christ, stay tuned for contact info. My name is Eric Samborski. Thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK 1550 AM and 94.7 FM. If you miss the radio program, Then look for the God's Resistance podcast on your favorite podcast platform at 10 a.m. every Sunday where these are uploaded and you will find other content on there as well. You can find us at godsresistance.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Like, follow, and turn on notifications for helpful spiritual content. You can contact us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or give us a call at 570-362-7782. Now let's listen in on today's briefing. We are taking a little break from our Sermon on the Mount series, and what we are going to be looking at because of the Christmas season coming up is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light, They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. A little context here. Capernaum is on the northern coast of the Sea of Galilee in the tribe of Zebulun, but near the border of Naphtali and a short distance west of the Jordan, which was the boundary of the Jews and Gentiles at that place. The country lying east of the Jordan and the Sea of Galilee being occupied by the Gadarenes and the Decapolis. Hence, the fulfillment of this prophecy as our Savior made Capernaum his headquarters, the wonderful influence of his ministry brought a sunburst on all that country, bringing untold blessings to both Jews and Gentiles. So he was speaking a specific prophecy to a specific people in a specific geographical location, but yet the effects of it are still taking place in our present day all over the entire world. This prophecy was uttered seven hundred years before Christ. This was a messianic prophecy, and we are told that by Matthew four sixteen. It says, uh, excuse me, four thirteen through sixteen. It reads, "In leaving Nazareth, Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast, in the borders of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying." The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtalim, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region in shadow of death, light is sprung up. So 700 years before Christ, Isaiah prophesied this. In the book of Matthew, Matthew references this as a messianic prophecy that is being fulfilled. So a little history beyond, uh, about Zebulun and Naphtali. Uh, They were part of the first Assyrian invasion, and people were taken captive from those tribes. Now, the captivity, the Babylonian captivity, uh, was split up into several different parts. They were part of the first Assyrian invasion. Here, these people walked. Here, people were looking for light. There's just a period of time where the prophecy uh, had fallen. The word of God, there was a famine of it. They're trying to figure out what's going on next. And they're looking for light now. In Matthew, they are they stopped walking. We're told that they they sat. They're sitting. They're settled in somewhat of a dark condition, and that is a terrible place to be. You know, a lot of people start off wanting to walk with God, and then they get into a position where they're so confused they don't know what's going on anymore. And with all that, they just kind of give up the fight and they sit down where they once had. A fervent desire to walk with God, it's no longer that fervent desire any longer. So they just kind of sit down. And that's where we break into our passage. The people that walked in darkness. Now the people here is strictly speaking about uh, prophecy. Jews living amongst pagans. The verse says, the people that walked in darkness... The Jews living amongst pagans, they were walking. That's good. At least they were active. They were walking in darkness because when we kind of sit down, we cease action. Our will doesn't seem to go forward in the ways that would help us get out of the situation we're in. So at least these people are walking in the dark, however dangerous that may be. But they were looking for light. And that's like that for any one of us. If we're in a dark room and there is no lights, you do walk around looking for a light switch. You don't like staying in that position where everything is dark and you don't know what to do Uh, next. You can't see in front of your face. So it's natural for us to look for light. And it's natural for somebody who's lost in sin and their life is a wasted ruin. It is natural for that person to say, I am so tired of darkness and ignorance. I can't stay here anymore. I need light. And so we walk. And so we move. We look for light. And they were walking while they were in present darkness. Are you walking in present darkness looking for light? If you are, you're not far from the kingdom. This darkness could represent a lot of different things, but it seems to bring along the idea of gross ignorance. Here, these people were walking around in gross ignorance. I can't help but think of America at large. It used to be a Christian nation. Where the knowledge of God was far more prevalent than it is now, but over the last three generations or so, it has been purposefully whittled down by God-haters and the people that really hate the founding of our country, which was founded upon God. They have made a meticulous, calculated attack to make the generations following be so far removed from the truth that they literally are in this place of darkness, of gross ignorance of the things of God. And think about it today. What is America like? A lot of it is this new age kind of idea. I know you can go in health food stores and such. A lot of times those health food stores, it's kind of, I remember after I got saved, I went into health food stores, which I was, I used to go in before, but I went in there and I suddenly didn't feel right anymore. I didn't feel right because, you know, people are worshiping air, they're worshiping sounds, they're worshiping colors, you know, it's all of this other stuff, but they won't worship the God of heaven, the the supreme being. So here we are. In an age steeped in this new age kind of culture, this Eastern mysticism, we have cults that abound, some that at large take the Bible and then tweak it enough so that they're not quite what a, a Christian should be according to the Bible, but they use that to try and make themselves look like they're not a cult. Well we've got cults that uh, are teaching people and and I'm not saying this to degrade any certain uh, person, but I think about Jehovah Witness, and I think about Mormonism, there's a lot of good people, no doubt, that are in there, and yet there's enough information in there that's tweaked that isn't quite right if you were to just take the Bible in and of itself and see what the Bible teaches. They have another extra special book in order for us to understand the Bible the way that we're supposedly supposed to understand it. And they play upon people's desire to have a new heaven and a new earth. They play upon people's desires to be with their families and all. And they twist scriptures in such a way. Here's where we are gross ignorance and darkness. The darkness also goes into a place of hopelessness. And then that's why people turn to vices. They turn to substance abuse because there really is nothing else for them to look to. They have nothing else. They've got no purpose. They can't cope with the pain and the difficulties that they face in this life. So without purpose, they're going forward. They give themselves over to vices. That's why we have such a drug problem in our society. God is then removed, right now, even. From the home and society at large. Why is it that there is so much persecution towards the name of Christ, but no other religion, no other figurehead of any religion has so much scorn thrown at him as Jesus Christ does? It's because that the truth cuts to the heart, and people don't like to see what's true and real about themselves. They want to believe a lie and feel good about themselves rather than hearing what's wrong and getting it taken care of. So God's been removed from the home, He's been removed from society. And now we're in darkness Darkness of ignorance, but also we're in willful darkness. And let me read to you out of Romans one twenty through thirty two. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, meaning that you and I can look up into the skies and we can know that there is a creator and we're without excuse, but yet there's arguments made to the contrary. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changing the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Wow, what a terrible plight. So we're in the darkness of ignorance, but that place in Romans shows we're in the darkness of willful ignorance. We don't even want to know the truth. We would rather consume our lives in sin. And so the people that walk in darkness, but it's those people, says the scriptures, that have seen a great light notice that it says have seen a great light meaning that it's past tense though it's a future event it's a prophecy that's coming up it is past tense but it's certain it's like it's speaking about the future and using the past tense to speak about the future helps in our own minds to solidify it as a certainty it's not a question it's going to happen it's as good as if it already happened he said those people have seen a great light their vision was blurry and dim i mean think about it when you're in a dark room if somebody lights a match in a dark room everybody's eyes focus on that light and you all can start to see even if it's blurry and dim at first how easy it is to see a pin of light and you know it's hopeful because if you were in a a, say if you were in a cave and your torch goes out And you are in in such blackness, you can't even see your hand in front of you. And you're with a group of people spelunking in a cave. And somebody finds a match or somebody finds some source of light and turns it on. It's amazing that nobody has to communicate, but everyone will go towards the light. They'll all walk towards the light because the light brings hope. Darkness brings despair. But those people in darkness, they've seen a great light. When one sees, then they broadcast to all their friends that are in darkness. When they see the light, they're like, come on over here. It's dark over, it, it was dark over there. And it's dark where you're at, but the light's over here. Come over here to the light. And it's natural for people to do that, not only in the physical sense, but also, and much more so, in the spiritual sense. But he says he have not seen just a teeny light, as we've been talking about, but a great light. Great meaning the brilliance of the light. This light shines like no other light has ever shone before. This light is altogether different from all the lights that I've ever seen. It has a brilliance about it. The size of it and the magnitude of it is much bigger than what I've ever seen. Have you ever come out from a dark room into a bright, sunny, snow-covered landscape? I mean, it doesn't even really have to be that dark. You're just kind of in your house at winter. You come out and it's blinding when you look at the top of the snow. You don't even have to look at the top of the snow. You can look 30, 40 feet in front of you, and yet the reflection of light off the snow into your eyes is almost overwhelming. I'm sure many of you have had that experience. Maybe that'll help us to understand that greatness of this light, the brilliance of the light of God. It's altogether above and beyond what you and I know. And he said it's a great light. Now, we understand the concept of light in the physical realm, and I think most of us would understand it in the spiritual realm. We understand that light here is a metaphor. It's not just literal light. It is knowledge. We see in Isaiah 29, verses 22 through 24. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob. Jacob shall not now be ashamed, neither shall his face now wax pale. But when he seeth his children, the work of mine hands in the midst of him, they shall sanctify my name and sanctify the Holy One of Jacob and shall fear the God of Israel. They also that erred in spirit shall come to understanding, and they that murmured shall learn doctrine. So light is equivalent to knowledge. Now, here, these people were in the captivity for a while, and they were ashamed. They're ashamed, they're in their captivity, they got into the captivity because of their idolatry and because of their rebellion. We see here also, this is what the verse is talking about, we see also here the children, the seed of Abraham by faith. In the midst of Jerusalem, both literal and figurative, we also see that understanding comes upon all of these people. Where they were in darkness and gross ignorance, light shines now upon them, and they learn doctrine. Why? No longer are they going to have a law that's from the outside enforced, but the law written on their hearts, on fleshly tables, from the power of the gospel of Christ and his indwelling. Light is also metaphorical for conviction, because knowledge will bring conviction, show us the right way, or show us if we're walking in the wrong way. Conviction is the most merciful gift of God. Conviction is where God mingles guilt with hope. Maybe you've experienced conviction where God zeroes in on something in your life and shows you what you're doing is wrong. This is not the way I've intended for you to be. This is not what I want for you. And the conviction comes. A lot of times people get scared from conviction, and so they walk away. But if they would only stay long enough to realize that on the back end of the guilt that God shows you of your own conscience, that guilty conscience, on the back end of it is hope and mercy. God does that to alarm us awake so that he can draw us to himself and fix the problem that we just realized we're in. So light is knowledge, light is conviction, and light is good. We read in Luke 2.14, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. The light of the gospel from the heart of God is goodwill towards all of mankind. What we do with it is up to us, but that is God's intent. Light is knowledge, conviction, and good. In case you've just tuned in, you are listening to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self the world and the devil. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance, that is G O D S R E S I S T A N C E. You can also email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570 362 Starting again they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death now we're speaking about something else we talked about those that dwell in darkness but now we're talking about those that dwell in the land of the shadow of death and dwelling is a little different than walking around and groping in the dark and trying to figure things out that way Dwelling means that's a long abode. Like, I'm going to pack my bags and stay here. I'm going to get comfortable in this place. I'm going to dwell here. I'm going to live here. He said, they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death. And a land, think about it, it holds many people. It's a vast expanse, land. That can mean Anything. That could, that could be a small parcel of land. That could be a large measure of land. But they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death sounds like a very big and an open place. In Matthew 7.13, it says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Another place in Proverbs, it says something to the effect of, hell has no boundaries it opens its mouth it's if it's forever hungry i think this is the land of the shadow of death dwelling in the land of the shadow of death ready so close to absolute and utter destruction dwelling in this place getting comfortable and sitting down listener don't do that don't get comfortable in darkness in ignorance don't get comfortable in sin and ruin in your life let's talk about what the shadow of death is like Death towers like a mighty mountain, casting its shadow upon those that dwell in this land. This land is the gateway to eternal death. Though miserable here on earth, if we're caught in darkness, if we're caught in ignorance, if sin is ruining our lives, it is only a foretaste of the eternal misery that awaits any darkened soul. I've talked with people before and they're like, this is hell already. Well, you may be having a really tough and difficult life, a hard life, but it's not hell. Hell is tremendous in its darkness, in its misery, in its pain, in its grief. It's much bigger than just the the awful things we have to face here. It is an eternity of awfulness with not a vestige of good and light in it at all. And he's saying about the shadow of death, death towers like that mighty mountain, and it casts that shadow upon us, even as we're here on earth. Here is where you can feel the chill of everlasting darkness. There's no sun, the blackness of darkness forever, another place in the scripture says. No desired warmth, only a burning torment. There's no smile, there's endless regrets without hope. There's no laughter, there's no cooing of a baby, there's no reprieve. It's just awfulness over and over and over again. This shadow of death, though, that falls on people's hearts and minds, even right here while we're on earth, causes sleep. It's the sleep of indifference. It's like you've been battered so long, you just think, what's the use? Why bother? I'm not even going to try anymore. This is just so awful. I'm just going to kind of go with it. It's harder to fight than it is to stand. So it causes the sleep of indifference. It causes the sleep of death. You know, I I know that there's been some people that have had the unfortunate occurrence of dying from carbon monoxide poisoning. And it's so deadly because you can't smell the carbon monoxide. Everything seems fine. You got a leak in your house and you don't have a detector. It's as easy as going to bed and never waking up. It's just so subtle, but it's so deadly. And it's the same thing with sin in our life. It's the same thing with getting used to sin. That instead of walking and looking for light, even as we're walking in darkness, we just say forget it, and we sit down and start to dwell in there, in that darkness. Ephesians 5.14, he says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall or will give thee light. That's a promise for you that are walking in darkness, that have seen a great light. It's a promise for you that dwell in the land of the shadow of death. Says upon them hath the light shine, not upon somebody else that's better than you, not upon somebody else that seems to have their life all put together, but upon you that are at the verge of spiritual death. Upon you has the light shine. You're the prime candidate of God's mercy. It was said of Jesus when he came, I didn't come here except to heal the sick. And he was saying this to the Pharisees, you guys obviously believe you're all right. I didn't come here for you. I came here for the people that are sick, that are ruined, that are wasted, that are busted, that life has just battered down to the ground and they feel like they can't stand up again. I came here for them. And that's what he's saying. Upon you has the light shine. He's not left you in this land of darkness and death while you're still here on earth. Wouldn't that be awful if we're in this situation, then God just leaves us off to the side and does nothing else for us. And we just have to struggle our way through this. And yet, here's what the promise is. He doesn't just leave us there. He casts his light upon your conscience, upon my conscience, upon your heart, and upon my heart. He doesn't want us to dwell in darkness. He doesn't want us to dwell in the land of the shadow of death. He wants us to be children of the light and walking in truth. And you know what? When we walk in truth and we walk in the light, it does something for our soul and for our whole mental framework and everything. We suddenly feel like we've got purpose and belonging, and there's a happiness that comes from it, a deep happiness, not something superficial. You are the object of his desire, dear soul that's listening, who's in darkness, who's dwelling in the place of darkness. You are the creation of God's hands himself. You are the joy that was set before him as Jesus hung on the cross. It said that he endured suffering and death and pain for the joy that was set before him. That seems outrageous. It doesn't even make any sense. What are you talking about for the joy set before you i've read about jesus and the crucifixion it sounds awful what they did to him was terrible and yet for the joy set before him which was you darkened soul which was you lost in sin and darkness and ignorance he was thinking of you as he bled and suffered and died and then said it was finished he was thinking of you upon you has the light shine. that is who is on god's heart from the beginning His blood still avails for you. Darkness is no longer a necessity. Darkness is just a choice. Upon you hath the light shined. So where are you? Are you walking in darkness? Are you groping? Says the, the, the light shines. Remember the verse said that the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. Have you seen that great light? Is that great light passed in front of you? Or are you passing it by? Well, here we are in Christmas. And Christmas, the way that the world looks at it right now, is cheap. It's just cheap. It's everything but Christ in our world. Materialism, you know, sports games, it's just, just trash. It's transient. There's nothing of depth in it. Christ is in the word Christmas, and yet he evades people's hearts and minds. In John chapter 1, we read these words, And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Jesus is that light. Oh, the true wonder of the light of Christ. A song says, brightly beams our Father's mercy, and that is through his Son, Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God with us. So in Christmas, there's people that are broken. We think of our lost loved ones. We think of so many things that break our hearts. But Christmas is a ripe mission field. The Son of Righteousness has opened the hearts of many during Christmas. If you're a Christian, you're the hands and feet of Christ. You may be the only Bible that somebody ever reads. If you're saved, you're an ambassador for Christ. You are the light of the world. You are the city set on the hill. Brightly beams our Father's mercy from His lighthouse evermore, but to us He gives the keeping of the lights upon- along the shore dark the night of sin is settled loud the angry billows roar eager eyes are watching longing for the lights along the shore trim your feeble lamp my brother some poor sailor tempest toss trying now to make the harbor in the darkness may be lost let the lower lights be burning send a gleam across the wave some poor fainting struggling seamen you may rescue you may save So how about it? Are you in darkness? You don't know which way is up or down. You don't know what truth is. You're trapped in sin. You can't get freed from your lust, your addictions. You've got overwhelming anger in your heart, bitterness towards friends and family. You can't hold a job down. You feel like you're purposeless. Maybe you have a family member that's in darkness and you hope and pray that they could get some help. You You want them to serve God. Jesus is the light. In the hope and hope of this season, he's more than just the light and hope for the season, but he's hope and light for all times. Your next step is to call 570 362 7782 or email gods.resistance at gmail.com and introduce yourself to me. I want to help you, not because I've got all the answers, but because God's helped me and I want to pass it along to you. I want you to set up a time to meet with me so that I can coach and help you to walk further in your journey with God. You can also like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You're going to get more teaching and preaching to help you on your journey. You'll be able to connect with others that are going through their own journeys. And I want you to tell your friends about this broadcast every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 fm, and our social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And during this Christmas season, do not let the light of Christ be snuffed out by this commercialism, but join the resistance, God's resistance. Special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Share Alike 4.0 International Creative Commons license. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen essay, slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.